So we continue our sermon series today. Uh, the sermon series is called God Is, and we've been looking at the attributes, some of the major attributes of God. And we've talked about how God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. We've talked about how God is loving, He is self-sufficient, that God is good, that God is holy. And today, we're in part seven, God is generous. God is generous. In 1992, there was a guy named Gary Chapman, and he's a marriage and family therapist. He released a book called The Five Love Languages. Have you all ever heard of that book, The Five Love Languages? Okay. So this book outlined five general ways that people express and experience love. And it's actually very eye-opening Uh, when you uh, read this book and you discover what your love language is because it's been widely accepted. It's been used in marriage counseling. It's been used to help people understand themselves and to understand their spouses. These five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, physical touch, and gift-giving. Now, if you remember a time that you wanted to express love to your spouse or someone close to you, look at what you did to communicate that to them or how you want people to communicate love to you. That would be your primary love language. Now, it's not that you don't want the others and it's not that you don't need the others, but that's not your primary love language. For me, mine is gift-giving. I love giving gifts. I love receiving gifts. I preached uh, a few weeks ago on uh, the Cadbury egg incident of 2018, I think. That is a notorious, uh, notorious situation debacle, honestly, in our household. It is known. All we have to say is Cadbury egg incident in our household, and all of the teenagers go, yes, we remember that. Well, after I preached that sermon, the very, I think it was the very next Sunday, uh, mysteriously, and I don't know who did it, but mysteriously, a package of Cadbury eggs was on uh, the front pew for me after Sunday's service. And I thank you. I ate them. I should not have eaten them because I am trying to lose weight, but I have no self-control. So I ate them. Um, I lo- the, the gift giving is the way that I express love and appreciation, and it is also one of the primary ways that I receive love and appreciation. This is why I joke about Pastor Appreciation Day being my favorite Sunday all year long, because it's the day I feel most loved. It's the day when people speak my love language, and it doesn't have to be a check. I mean, those are fine, but it could be a card, you know, just saying thank you you know, for serving the congregation or whatever. It could be a handshake and a hug. It could be a plate of cookies. It doesn't matter what it is. When people give a gift, whatever it may be, um, it is speaking my love language, and I feel loved, and I feel appreciated. But have you ever known someone who was stingy? Maybe they were stingy with their money. My, uh, I have a relative on my mother's side of the family. He is now long deceased, but he would give his wife an amount of money he thought was appropriate for groceries and would require the receipt when she returned 
right? And expected the change. She had no money. She was completely dependent upon him for everything. And if she wanted something for the family, for the house, she had to justify that expense. Right, ladies, come on. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. I mean, I cannot even imagine how she put up with it. And they celebrated over 50 years of marriage. Um, so I'm, I'm sure she paid him back uh, somehow. Uh, maybe she, you know, knifed his tires every, every once in a while before he went to work. What is happening to my tires? Who is cutting my tires? Anyway. Um, maybe they were stingy with their time. And they devoted all their time to other things and very rarely gave you any time, any quality time with them. Maybe they were stingy with their approval and praise. You worked hard for straight A's. You worked hard for that promotion. But nothing was ever good enough. Nothing, was, nothing ever earned their approval, their respect, or their praise. Maybe they were stingy with their affection and never, they never gave you any hugs, never any physical touch. They might have said they loved you, but they never communicated that through physical touch. Well, whatever deficiency you had growing up often becomes your love language. So you can kind of do a little psychoanalysis on yourself. Not, all, not, every, not every time probably, but a lot of times the deficiency you had growing up becomes the love language that you speak because that's how you want love communicated to you. What's so great about God is that he is the absolute opposite of stingy. He is the very definition of generosity. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He owns it all and he loves to give good gifts to his children. Jesus even said that in Matthew 7 in Luke chapter 11, that God gives good gifts to those who ask him. Why? Because he is generous by nature. We can go back to the first book of the Bible where God gave the first married couple their first home in the Garden of Eden. He didn't have to lavish such, extravagant, such an extravagantly provided place upon this couple, but he did. It gives God joy to give good things to his children. He gave Adam and Eve a garden. He gave Cain forgiveness. He gave Abraham and Sarah a son in their old age. He gave Isaac a wife and Jacob an inheritance. He gave Israel the promised land. He gave people his laws to follow. He gave prophets and spiritual leaders to help the nation when they had strayed. He gave promises and prophecies for the first 4,000 years of humanity to let them know that he would deal with the sin problem himself, that God would give his one and only son to deal with what was broken in humanity. God so loved that he gave. When considering the overwhelming generosity of God, we look at Psalm 84. The sons of Korah 
wrote this psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, which means weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This psalm extols the generous nature of God. It celebrates him as a God of generosity, even towards the birds. That, that's something that Jesus even spoke about in Matthew chapter 6 in his iconic Sermon on the Mount. He told them, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow crops. They don't reap a harvest. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And if you underline in your Bible, that middle line from Psalm 84 verse 11 is definitely underline worthy. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing. Now that's an incredible promise. That's not saying that God will give you every good thing because there are lots of things out there that may be good, but not good for us. As the great theologian, I'm sure you've heard of this guy, the great theologian Garth Brooks once said, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs. Just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. God's generosity is both giving us good things that he wants for us and also not giving us things that we want which will not be good for us. In fact, sometimes God is most generous when he specifically doesn't give us what we want because he knows it will harm us. But let's look at a few things that God does give us. Number one, God gives us his time. God gives us his time. In the movie Bruce Almighty, and I'm not much into quoting pop culture uh, too much, but, but this, was, this, felt, this felt like it was a good fit. In the movie Bruce Almighty, Bruce is endued with God's powers, um, but also God's responsibilities. 
And so one of those responsibilities is listening to and answering prayers. Now, Bruce didn't know what was going on, so he had been ignoring these prayers, and it got bottled up so that all he could hear were the prayers of people. He could just hear voices. He decided that he needed the prayers to be organized into files, and so when he commanded that to happen, filing cabinets filled every square foot of his room, so he couldn't even move. He decided that wasn't effective, so he commanded all prayers to be converted into post-it notes, which then covered every surface of his entire apartment, including himself and his dog. Now, this wasn't going to work either, so he turned his prayers into emails. Well, by the time the first batch of prayers had downloaded on the supernatural superhighway, he had one million 527,503 unread prayers to review. And this was only from people in the Buffalo, New York area. These included prayers for new job for daddy, good weather this weekend, help the homeless, safe place to live, bankruptcy help, need rain, new car, new job, and cousin Bob. Regardless of how fast he answered the prayers, more prayers kept coming in at an exponential rate. And so instead of just reading the emails and using wisdom to determine what the right thing to do was in that situation, he just decided to answer yes to all. That way, everybody's happy. That was his rationale. But this caused chaos Because that meant that everyone that had prayed in the Buffalo, New York area to win the lottery won the lottery. Everybody got a puppy and a pony and a job that someone else had previously had. People got taller, shorter, thinner. One lady said she lost 47 pounds on the Krispy Kreme diet. As I said, not every good thing that we ask for is actually good for us. Now, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 66, verses 16 through 20, Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. God is so loving and generous that he not only hears our prayers, but scripture tells us he's attentive towards them. The word that the psalmist uses there means to pay attention, to give attention, or to incline. Have you ever been telling a story? Have you ever been sharing a need with someone? And while you were talking, they leaned in towards you. You felt their attention. You felt their empathy. They didn't just hear you. They were really listening to you. You saw the concern in their eyes. They felt your pain. They felt your heartache. They empathized with you. And it was in that moment that you felt truly heard. Well, this is the first picture that we, this is the picture we get from Psalm 66, 19. But truly God has listened. He has attended 
to the voice of my prayer. Think about how many Christians are on this planet. How many people pray to God on a daily basis? We're even commanded to pray to God uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. That's a whole lot of prayer. And yet God is attentive. He listens and he acts on those prayers. Sometimes he answers them with a yes. Sometimes he answers the prayers with a no. And sometimes he answers them with a wait. But every prayer gets his undivided attention as he listens to every one of them. Why? Because he is generous with his time. The creator of the entire universe spends time with us, as much time as we need. He not only does it, but he wants to do it. He wants us to share our heart, to talk about what we need, and to give him time to align our will to his. God is generous because he gives us his time. Number two, God gives us treasure. God gives us treasure. Well, it was God who put all the silver and gold and precious metals and precious stones in the earth that he created. When David commissioned his son to uh, his son Solomon to build the temple in 1 Chronicles 29, David donated more than 112 tons of gold and 262 tons of refined silver out of out of his own private treasury. Treasure and wealth are blessings from God. And they're not the only blessings that God gives people. The Bible warns us not to put our hope in our treasure, not to achieve it through dishonest methods, and not let it become our idol. And yet we remember the words of Jesus that I mentioned earlier. The Father loves to give good gifts to his children. So the treasure falls into one of two categories. Treasure as a reward for our obedience and treasure as a means to bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing to other people. And last April, my family and I, we were on the receiving end of a good chunk of money courtesy of the Internal Revenue Service. And while we had planned on doing some things with that money, we ended up being a blessing to our local plumbing company and... Uh, replacing a broken sewer line. Not how we planned. We were like, thank you, Lord. You're blessing us for our obedience. And he said, psych, you're blessed to be a blessing. And so we uh, donated that money. You know, and there are times when we, we uh, have to give more money than we think uh, we should. I had uh, one of the cars in the shop, and I felt like uh, I was having to pay this guy more than I wanted to. And I was asking him how many discounts can you give uh, to, to a pastor and a, a veteran? And he was like, I'm giving you the discounts already. And I'm like, I don't see them here. But, you know, I'm, I'm, so we just, my wife and I, we just say, you know what? We're going to give it as unto the Lord. And it's okay. If, we, if, if we're being gouged, God keeps good books and he'll bless us. And so we know that we are oftentimes blessed to be a blessing to others. And it gave us an opportunity. It was actually Passover last year, and it was a, a Jewish plumber that came out, and I was able to uh, talk to him about Passover, and of course, he knows about Passover, but from a, a perspective, a Christian perspective, 
and, uh, and, and just share the love of Christ with this uh, gentleman. He was great. Um, and, uh, and, and so God used that uh, money in order to share the gospel. And so that was wonderful. Um, God does give us treasure as a means of reward, but Jesus reminds us, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 20, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So don't let all your treasure, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Let them be treasures in heaven. And we do that by blessing others with the things that God has blessed us. I've I've never met an unhappy, generous person. I really have never met somebody who is incredibly generous and always unhappy. When God moves on a person to be generous with the treasure that God has given them, They don't worry about paying the bills. They know that the same God that blessed them with what they had and moved them to give it away will bless them again to replace whatever they've given away. God told me one time to give away a guitar, and I did. And then God gave me 10 times what that guitar was worth in cash. Some of you may be looking, what do I have in my attic? You know, do I have any guitars like this? If you have any guitars, you just email me, let me know the brand name, and, and we'll see. We'll see what we can do. God told me to give away another guitar. At one time, God, God was, these people were giving me guitars. I don't know why. At one time, I had seven guitars, and only one of them had I actually bought. The others had been given to me. And so I'm like, well, I don't know what to do with these. So I just held on to them. And God began to move on me to give away these guitars to people. Well, I gave away another guitar, and God moved on the heart of this family to give me a car, a second vehicle for my family that we needed at that time. And, and they were so determined to give it to me that they drove an eight-hour drive to bring it to me because they were determined to give it away. And it almost sounds like they were desperate to get rid of this car. They weren't. They weren't, but the Lord had moved on their hearts to give it, and so they were willing to to drive it all the way. When you learn how to be as generous as God is, you realize that everything you have is really God's anyways. And it brings you tremendous joy in living a generous life. So God gives us his time, he gives us treasure, and number three, God gives us talent. God gives us talent. In Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, Paul told the believers of the ways that God has gifted his church. He provided us with talents we need in order to perform the ministry that he wants us to be part of. If he wants you to serve on the worship team, he'll give you musical ability. If he wants you to serve as a greeter or a small group host, he'll give you a heart for hospitality. If he wants you to be a teacher, he'll give you the ability and the desire to teach and the patience to teach that age group. We don't often think of spiritual gifts as talents. We think of talents as something that somebody is born with or something they're naturally good at. However, talents and abilities are gifts from God. 
He wants to see what we'll do with the talents that he's given us. And that is the point of Jesus' parable in Matthew 25. Each one of these servants was given a different proportion of talents and then was judged based on what they did with them. Now, for Pentecostals, God has given spiritual talents, spiritual abilities, or spiritual gifts. For some, he's gifted them in ministry gifts, like being a missionary, a prophet, an evangelist, or a teaching pastor. Others have been gifted in different manifestations of the gifts. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to see what Paul said about these spiritual gifts, spiritual talents, spiritual abilities. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11, Paul wrote, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith. And this is supernatural faith. This is not saving faith. This is in a moment of crisis and weakness or, or whatever. Uh, a, a missionary had told me a story about a gun being put to his head. He had supernatural faith in that moment. Um, to another, gifts of healing by the, same, by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues, which we saw at work in our service today. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. That is God's word that he has gifted his church with these spiritual gifts. His desire is for us to operate in those gifts. So God's desire is to enable his church to be ready to minister to those around us, to preach the gospel with our words and our deeds, and to use these gifts and talents and abilities for his glory instead of our own. God generously gives us his time, his treasure, his talent, and finally, number four, God gives us trials. You might not have expected me to mention that. We've been on an upswing the whole time. This has been very positive, and now that's a bit of a downer, Pastor Jason. God gives us trials, but it's true. It's true. Scottish author Samuel Smiles, he wrote this, We learn wisdom from failure much more than from success. We often discover what we'll do, by finding out what will not do. And probably he who has never made a mistake never made a discovery. When we succeed at something, we may not even know why it worked. But when we fail at something, when we lose the game, when we lose a promotion, when we lose an opportunity, it forces us to take a step back and to see what went wrong. We can read scripture and see all sorts of trials that God put his people through to test their character and to test their hearts. Would they turn to God in times of difficulty or would they turn to themselves to figure it all out on their own? 
Would they try to make something happen when the door was firmly closed? Or would they seek his will for their lives and accept the closed door as an indication that God wants to do something different? In Israel's past, they began, they began to rely heavily on their own abilities. And their hearts turned away from God. In order to put them in their rightful place, God used trials and testing to refine them. Isaiah chapter 48, verses 10 through 11 says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. At times, we can lean too much on our own understanding and not acknowledge God who gives us all that we have. In those times, he takes us through a refining process. We've shared this before, I'm sure, but when a goldsmith or a silversmith wants to purify the metal that they're working with, they turn up the heat. When the heat increases and the metal melts, the impurities inside the metal rise to the surface. The goldsmith or silversmith scoops off the impurities and then lets the metal cool down. Once the metal hardens again, they repeat the process. The more they do this, the more impurities are removed and the more pure the metal becomes. So what makes 10 karat gold hard is the impurities. Because when you refine it to 24 karat gold, you could bend it with your hands. It's very malleable. The more impurities are removed, the more moldable and malleable, the more the goldsmith, the master, the master craftsman can mold that gold into the shape and fashion that he wants. That's exactly what God does with us. But when we're full of impurities, when we're full of unrighteousness, there's not much he can do. He except to refine us, to turn up the heat. And the impurities rise to the surface. He allows times of testing in our lives. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, what is your default response? God bless you. God make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Or, you sorry, sorry excuse for a human being. What is your response when affliction comes, when frustration comes? Where do you turn in those moments? He allows those situations. He allows IRS audits and unfavorable doctor appointments to happen to show us where we are putting our trust. He knows the end result. If we put our trust in him, he knows that he'll see us through. He knows that the same God that walked us into the wilderness is the same God that will walk us through it and out the other direction. And we have to depend on that. We have to trust him. He gives us trials to reveal any idols that we have established that take time and attention and worship away from him. 
As we read in Isaiah 48, he will not give his glory to another. Worship team, come up. Would you please stand this morning? We appreciate the times that God is generous with his time and his treasure and his talents, but it can be difficult for us to accept the times that God is generous with his trials. It can be difficult for us to accept trials as blessings from God. We might have gone through a trial that was difficult and lengthy, that we wish to God, we, we wish that God had not been so generous with these trials. Yet the truth is that he loves us too great to leave us the way that we are. We are called to be conformed into the image of his son. Now think about that for a moment. That we are imperfect and God is trying to mold us into the likeness of his perfect son, Jesus. At all times, at all times, Jesus acted with integrity with perfect motives, with perfect actions, a perfect heart. He never sinned against God or anyone else. He never acted selfishly. He never asserted his own will, but instead repeatedly said, not my will, but yours be done. He was perfect in all things. This is the standard that God is trying to get us to. Yes, we will fall flat on our faces some days. Yes, we will lash out in anger or frustration or pride. Yes, the heat will get turned up and all our imperfections will bubble to the surface. And because God is so loving and kind and gracious and merciful and generous, he will use every difficulty, every trial, every painful moment to mold us. We will not get to perfection until we reach heaven, but we cannot give up trying. He calls us to strive for Christ's example. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, he said, I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So regardless of the past, it's hard to forget, but we press on. Through trials, press on. Through difficulties, press on. Through frustration, press on. Through pain, press on. Through your own limitations, addictions, and temptations, press on. Because the light and momentary affliction that we endure is preparing us for the weight of God's glory that we will behold, which is beyond all comparison. We began this message by reading Psalm 84, and now we're going to sing it. As it says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God then dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Worship with us this morning and then we'll come back and close the service in prayer.